I hear someone breathing. Is that you? <laughs> it's um, yeah. I'm kind of outside, so there might be some kind of interference. But don't be scared. Well, I'm. 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 I just heard heard heavy heavy breathing. That's okay. It's okay. Today our topic. It's, it's is because of uh, because of I'm having the anxiety attack. Each time we record a new episode, I thought, what if I'm not good enough? I mean, what are subscribers who think about me? And uh, hence the reason. Yes, I know. Well, you know, our topic is therapy. And uh, yesterday, for those people that listened, uh, the episode was brought to you in the beginning by a huge... uh, a huge uh, rainstorm with lightning and there were broken trees and I was inside my car and my, you know, I thought I was going to die. So we've decided to kind of up, up the game here at Patroma Therapy and bring you exciting and dangerous openings. And uh, so yesterday <clears throat> I was in an electrical storm and, and right now you're, you're, uh, you're a pedestrian uh, open to anything that could happen on the street. And that, you know, that, that is a that is a brave man. That you you are a brave man. Yeah, it's just like you said. We began. I mean, there there was a, exactly three years uh, since we started the um, this channel since we started the patronal therapy, and uh, we decided to make any new episode, any future episodes at dangerous places. <laughs> yes, because you know life itself can be sort of dangerous, and <clears throat> um, I I have been interested in therapy and I have gone to some different therapies, but uh, I wanted to just very briefly mention uh, uh, the year 1899 was the publication of Sigmund Freud's The Interpretation of Dreams. But I wanted to even go back further because the ancient Greeks were very, very interested in the meaning of dreams and the healing experience of dreams. And if you've ever been to a doctor's office or seen the twin snakes curling around a rod, um, I, I, I forgot what that, I forgot what that's called, but anyhow, that's like the symbol of medicine and healing. It, you know, it, it's a modern symbol, but escapal. Um, uh, Escapolis was um, the Greek uh, god of, of healing, and they built temples to him in Delphi and other places in Greece. And people would go away for a weekend. They would make like a little pilgrimage, and they would go, and they would stay there. They would bring food. They might bring their friends. And you would go into a sort of cave area and take a bath uh, to cleanse your body. And then you would uh, sit in another room that maybe was heated. This was all natural and underground. Another room that was heated and sweat a little bit. And then you might go lay on some uh, benches or couches and you know, chew on some, uh, I don't know if it was olive leaves or something that would kind of maybe make you hallucinate a little bit. And the, uh, as I look at it from the modern point of view, this was a way of letting go of your ego, letting go of your frustrations. And then if you, if you uh, really, 
you know wanted to to get deep in all this you could you could go to a different room where the the soothsayer was or the oracle so when when in the greek tragedies when they talk about the oracle of delphi it's both a place and it's also a person deep in the earth who would speak some words of wisdom to you how does that make you feel Well, the thing you've just described reminded me of a Russian bathhouse for no apparent reason. How is a Russian, what is a Russian bathhouse like? Well, you know what sauna is. So multiply it by two and add some humidity. That's what it is. Oh, I hate I'm not humidity. sure if that would be an appropriate form of therapy, but... Um, no, no, in a very, very... Go ahead. So oh, what you do you do? No, what, how do you, like, you go to a, is it like connected to a whorehouse or it's like a bathhouse or like what? Yeah, how, it's basically how, a wooden hut. A wooden wood, hut. wooden hut and there is a stove, there's a wooden stove inside, wood burning stove. As I say, it's very beneficial for health, but uh, yeah, I like it. Somehow you can, I, I'm not sure how. I mean, I know how much that would be in Celsius, but you're operating Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what would be it in a, not in metric system, the temperature, I mean. Well, some of our subscribers live in Europe or other places where they use, you know, centigrade. What what would the temperature be on the inside of the, the banya? Well, that would be about 80 degrees Celsius. So once it's 80 degrees, you can go in and steam there until you're uh, like half dead, okay? That's when they... Pull you the out. benefits, the <laughs> benefits come yeah, exactly <laughs> show itself. Well, uh, you know, you actually, I I know that in Turkey there are many many Turkish baths, and you can some are some are for men only, and some are for women only, and some are for mixed. And I also know in uh, in Bursa, Bursa, and uh, which is near Uladag, which was kind. I mean, there's some famous bathhouses there, like they're exquisite. They have like a fabulous restaurant out front. Well, of course, for me, there has to be some place to eat and drink, right? So imagine that it's snowing and it's deep winter and you're traveling through the mountains, kind of going up to a mountain retreat and you uh, go to this, uh, well, it wouldn't be called a bathhouse, hammam, yeah, hammam, hammam is what's called in Turkish. And you might stay in the lodge and you would put your suitcases down and go to the bar and have a drink. And then you might have an appointment at the bathhouse and some really good looking guy or very pretty girl would like escort you to the bathhouse and you would, you know, go go there. And that actually is still happening, you know, in in um, in different parts of Turkey and in Greece. And I know that in Manhattan. Uh, I was up there maybe four or five years ago in Manhattan, New York City. There are Russian baths and Turkish baths. And I remember um, that, well, you know, I have these two daughters and, and one is a little bit, one is a little bit controlling and concerned about everything. And the other one's a little bit more of a free spirit. I mean, they're both great, great. But I remember um, I had flown up there because I was, between semesters teaching, it was like winter break, 
you know, for the colleges. And uh, I don't know that I was at home, we were cooking, we were doing all kinds of stuff. And then my daughter had somehow like, you know, disappeared into the night to experience the magic of New York. She wasn't going to stay home and like, just watch us cook. <laughs> so, you know, she didn't come home that, that night, you know, to the apartment cafe. We were around in Brooklyn. And then, you know, the other daughter and her husband were very worried, you know, where she was. And I just tried to explain, well, you know, she's an adult. She can figure it out. Anyhow, so she came back and then uh, she and the fellow that she was with were going to leave the next day and, you know, go to the airport. And, you know, you would think that most people would uh, sleep before you have a, a, a plane trip. But she, they decided to just live it up. Who knows what they did. But uh, after my son-in-law drove them to the airport, he, he came back and he noticed on the refrigerator there was a little envelope. And they opened up the envelope and it just said, Merry Christmas. And on the inside of it were two tickets to a Russian bathhouse in Manhattan. And well, I mean, the, it, the house wasn't in Manhattan. It was like in some kind of scary part of New York City. So, you know, just think of how Americans would feel about going to a scary part of New York and going into a scary Russian bathhouse. Well, I have no such experience, but I'm not sure what you mean by scary. I mean, I understand some kind of a, a decapitated part of a city, but uh, speaking of, uh, of bathhouse itself, I, I would say that many cultures, many different cultures have their own type of saunas uh, or banyas, because we call our bathhouses banya, B-A-N-Y-A. Yeah, in Russian it sounds like banya. Uh, I mean, the bathhouses all over Russia, Turkey, of course, Sweden and Finland, somehow these four are like leading the industry. But it's it's all about extremes too. Yeah, because you said the other day, you're either deeply disappointed or extremely happy. There is no middle ground. So the same applies to bathhouse. It's about extremes. You get very hot, then take a nice cold shower, then get very cold again. It's schizophrenia of a kind. (laughs) Well, it's or you could call it like... uh, bipolar like switching between two poles you know either either you're very up and happy or you're you know i just know that in therapy you know usually a person would go into a therapist's office with some problems and the goal of therapy would to come out be to come out and feel a little bit lighter feel a little bit better so you could go and talk to a counselor or to a priest or to a rabbi or to a guru or you know, to a life coach, you could go in and you would hope that when you come out, you would feel, feel better. But, and, and that feeling of feeling better lasts for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and then your life starts back up again. And you think, I need another appointment with my therapist. But in, uh, in Dallas, they also have uh, places, very nice, swanky places to go get a massage and they put hot stones on your back and they also have aroma therapy. You can choose if you want citrus or eucalyptus or if you want coffee or if you want, you know, these these are scents, S-E-N-T-S, that are piped into the room. So just imagine laying on a marble table that has a um, towel on it 
and there's an amazing woman with very strong hands and she's pushing her heels of her hands into your back and pushing it the skin up and then you've decided to pay extra for her to like put hot stones on your back you know when you're in this room with this woman there are a lot of things that you are thinking and just thinking these things makes you feel better. But massage therapy is very popular. Uh, aromatherapy is popular. Talking therapy is popular. And somehow I think that um, changing the physical sensations of your body, like making it really, really hot, you know, being in a steam, steam room or going into a, an icy area I guess that kind of breaks the negative thoughts up. I don't really know. Well, you you always, I mean, you and me, of course, we speak about the individual therapy. And um, I was just thinking that, what about the couple therapy? I've never been in one. And uh, if I um, am told to go and visit to do the couple therapy, I wouldn't be uh, in a rush to do that uh, somehow. I don't know, for no apparent reason. I'm not ready to open up myself in front of some therapist I don't know, or I've never well, known before. That's your resistance to improving your relationship. So there's different well, words. Relationship is a, pardon my language, but it's a vaginal word. <laughs> uh, no, what I'm saying, you seriously, said... Seriously, it's more about, okay. No, I'm, you're saying couples therapy. So I assume that there is a couple that you're in. So it could be a wife, could be a girlfriend, could be a, a girl and her guy friend or a fiance or people thinking of getting divorced. Couples sometimes seek counseling and their hope is maybe, maybe to save the marriage, maybe to save the relationship, maybe to explain to the person why they have to get a divorce. They just want somebody else to you know verify how ridiculous this relationship is but you know in in uh several episodes back we have an episode called drop and roll which is kind of a a, a short story that's taking place in series and there's a man talking and there's a woman talking and the man's in a cell and the woman's observing and they're taking notes so but there's a part we haven't really read that to the audience yet but there's a part where um you know, the woman is saying that, you know, there's just so many things that happen. You know, so many things can go wrong. You know, something's wrong with your car, your marriage, uh, a missed train, um, a, a failed business deal. So all these events of life stress out a relationship. And that might be why you don't want to go to couples therapy because you don't want to talk about it in front of a stranger. But, you know, in the United States, you pay the stranger. You're paying for them to listen to you talk about your business, your personal life. You pay for it. Is there any way they pay me? Uh, well, I think it's called our subscribers can uh, make a contribution. We're going to start monetizing our channel. <laughs> Do you want to know the details of my major cars? bank details and stuff no i'm kidding of course it's just interesting that someone's i mean you you you're paying for basically for speaking about your own life and your own problems it's a service um, you take your car in like you wouldn't just try to fix your own car that'd be stupid it's much more efficient to pay an expert to do it so 
the way Americans or the way I like Texans and Americans look at therapy is something's wrong that could maybe be better. So when your car isn't completely broken, you go and take it in for a tune up or an oil change or check the fluids or, you know, do something with my air conditioner. So even if your car isn't completely broken, you still take it in for minor repairs. So if you would think about relationship, whether it's marriage or, or, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend thing, or some couples are thinking of getting married. I know that in, uh, in the Catholic church, there's uh, marriage counseling pre pre, I know you've heard the word premarital sex, but premarital counseling uh, you are required if you're going to get married in the church to go to like four sessions on counseling and you go there. It's a, it's a, you go there with your partner, your fiance, and it could be an overnight. It could be a one day workshop. It could be four Saturdays in a row. And you talk about finances and you talk about children and you talk about in-laws. So what you do in this counseling before you get married is you, start to deal with the problems you're going to have because you know when you're engaged and when you're dating it's all great like this is going to be great i'm gonna live with this person forever like this is so amazing and then when you get married you realize that it involves money and it involves in-laws and it involves children and it involves moving and it, you know life is act life is actually full of problems are you feeling bad <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking if I, if if I am becoming more of a misogynist, or maybe I'm just being honest, or maybe honest man. I mean, these days, uh, I, I'm not sure if you can say anything that can be considered uh, misogynistic, right? Is that how you pronounce that? Well, somehow, you, it, you know. You, you know what? You, what you mean? I think what you may mean by the term is that you are sort of more traditional and men have their roles and women have their roles and you know men kind of make decisions and, and women have children and stuff and and you know the world has really really changed you know with the advent of the birth control pill in the 1920s margaret sanger you know once women had charge of their reproductive life they could do whatever they want like they didn't really have to like stay home all the time and like have another baby have another baby have another baby like it was common like my, my grandmother, which would be two generations ago, only had two children, but it was common two generations ago in Texas, you know, for a woman to have 13 children or, you know, a woman to die in childbirth or, you know, 13 children. Like I had two and that about drove me crazy. I mean, I'm, I mean, it's by crazy. I mean, it's a lot of work to have kids. And when you say that you're a misogynist, you know, maybe you're just a man. How about, how does that feel? I'm just a man. Just repeat after me. I'm just a man. <laughs> well, you sound like you're a therapist. But also, we are not face, we're not facing each other, right? In one room or in the couch and uh, in somewhere. We are far as sort I'm, of a long distance. Our therapy is sort of a long distance one. Online therapy services, shall we say that? Um, yeah, like you're on I mean, the I'm, I'm not sure if what's a, it's, that can be effective, as effective as a, being in person. Uh, but still, I sometimes, I, I feel that sometimes our conversation can help me. I'm not sure about you, but uh, I do hope they help you as well. 
Well, you know, you can always get on a plane and come to Dallas. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, somehow I told you before, I'm kind of shattering. I'm not even willing to travel to St. Petersburg, for instance, which is a shocker to somebody who's always wanted to visit it, and I just have all the opportunities and start using. I don't know. Maybe that's my no, fault. No, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, when all of Dallas was shut down, uh, Holy Trinity is my parish, and I... I um, you know, I, I did some classes there. I, you know, you know, teach teach a few little classes, and I would go there to talk to the priest about my spiritual life. And I, you know, after Father Don left, I, I continued uh, my therapy with Miss Elia, who's a the therapist there. But you know, for two years, eighteen months, you couldn't go into the office, and and nobody was in in the office. So the therapy was on the phone, just like this. So you know. She would be sitting in her townhouse on the phone. She would make the appointment. I'd be sitting at my place on the phone. I'd have a cup of coffee or some water. And we did the 50, it's called the 55 minute hour, but you know, it, it was a little more flexible. So, you know, sometimes we'd talk for an hour and 10 minutes, but it was just like this. And because we knew each other and we had known each other for a while, we, we knew each other's jokes and we knew each other's sense of humor. So it was very therapeutic and very beneficial. And, you know, some of our subscribers, you know, we've known for a while. We've, we've, we've had some of these subscribers, you know, for several years. Like you were saying, yesterday was a three-year anniversary of Petroma therapy. And, you know, Mark Stevens and Tony Carnes and Manuel and some, you know, some of these people have been around and I, what I've noticed about the people that are are our subscribers, they have their own creative life. They are drawing, they're painting, they're dancing, they're creating original art, they're making train videos, they're creating model train displays. So I think the creative process can also be therapeutic. To you, let me ask you a question. Uh, of course it can be therapeutic because when you're creating something, you, you forget about everything else. You are living in the now, as they say. I think so. But anyway, yeah. from what yeah. I have seen, um, okay, do you do you remember we discussed journaling? That I don't know. Oh yeah, you remember something? Yeah, yeah, George, yeah, journaling was considered some type of, type of a therapy that can help. And I remember that you kept the journal many years ago, and uh, maybe you yeah. still do. So maybe it's, no. it's good to let yeah. things out on paper because you can work through what's troubling you anytime. I, well, I promise I had, you that I yeah. will write down yeah. my problems as well, but I still, I broke Lied my promise. Yeah. No, 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 I broke, I don't, I don't, I don't like the word lie, but, no, but yeah, but I, mean, I lied to you. No, 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 this, I mean, that's okay. Thanks for sharing. I mean, we lie. And you, remember, you're not only a man, you're a lying man. <laughs> no, no. Uh, when I was 15 years old, um, maybe I was 14, I had an art friend. We were in art classes together in Frankfurt, Germany, in an American high school. And we, were go we would go on sketching field trips. And so we were very much into the art world and we had sketchbooks. And then I remember I came back um, to the United States for college not going to the American University in Paris, but returning to Texas was a little bit of a letdown, but uh, she gave me a journal. And since I was uh, 
maybe 15, 16 years old, I've kept journals. So I, I, I put postcards in there and I put uh, labels and I put coasters and I write poems and I write stories and I write people that about people that I'm with and trips that I've been on and things that I'm struggling with. So now that I'm, you know, X thousand years old, I have uh, in my closets boxes and boxes and boxes of journals that I've kept probably, you know, for, you know, well, well over, well over four, well, yeah, well over 40 years. And what's very interesting to me is to pick up a journal and just open it up and see some of the topics that I'm concerned with. And it's, you know, it's interesting. Like, imagine if all your thoughts were written down since you were 15 years old. Okay. You know, when I was a child, when I was 15 years old, I kept a diary. It's very much to probably very similar to what you have, what you call journals. But uh, yeah, yeah, I diary. don't know. My parents called diary, and so did I. Yeah, and I thought, I, I don't remember. I didn't like it. I must tell you the truth. I didn't like to keep the diary, and each year I started, I tried to start the new one, and each year I've given it up. But uh, thinking now, when I'm 50, I think that therapeutic journaling may, may come handy, because I would so be able to write down my thoughts and feelings about my experiences with you, for instance. My, my only concern is that the session is supposed to be private or confidential. I mean, there's probably some kind of some kind of an ethic and stuff. But we, me and you, we just <laughs> put it on display. We right, just publish right. it yeah. wherever it's possible. That's what yeah, distinguishes yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No ethics, online. no ethics, no code of ethics, nothing. That no, uh, no, I don't know how weird very, it sounds. It's 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 actually very good. And you know, I have wondered about writing different things because I think, well, you know, when I die, I'm always thinking about when I die. Uh, I, I like to think about what I die and what will happen after I die. But I, I imagine people finding my journals and reading them. But, you know, there are a lot of, not that I'm famous, but there's a lot of famous people that kept journals, you know, like, you know, Tolstoy and Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman and Theodore Rethke and Thomas Merton and, you know, uh, Hemingway. And so many people kept journals and the word jour, J-O-U-R, means day in French. So journal, you know, it came into the English jur journal or diaries, the same thing. And sometimes, um, you know, the journal is the daily life. Like, I need to go buy this. I want to go do that, like a little to-do list. But sometimes it's more thematic. Like, I could put on some piano music, you know, and the background and just write like what am i working on right now what what are the deep themes of my life so like right now is um you know i have i have some concerns that i'm journaling about and then i might get some colored pencils and just unconsciously choose some colors to color around on that page so maybe i would choose turquoise and a darker blue and a little bit of orange and so when I go back and look at my journals, they're, they're not only words, but there are some colors and there's some pictures. And I, I think that, you know, in school, we learn how to write and, you know, we, we have to write little essays and stories for our English teacher. But um, yeah, I think that journaling is really, 
really great because who are you talking to in the journal? You're the author, right? You're writing. Who are you talking to? I don't know. That's what confuses me, probably. You're like talking to your future self because you know that in 10 years you'll probably come back to your journal, so maybe start reading whatever it is you're writing. But I hate yeah. that. It's like the, the, the rear view mirror. I guess I told you before, it's small for a reason because you don't have to look back and journal to forcefully make you do that. Hey, listen, can you, can I, not to change the subject, but you're, you're bringing up or you're mentioning Walt Whitman now and then. And I remember that name because when I saw one of my favorite TV shows called Breaking Bad, there was a Walter White in it, which camouflaged himself under the Walt Whitman. And I thought, who's Walt Whitman? And a few days ago, I thought, why don't I Google him? And I found this Santa-looking male man, bearded man, kind of old, apparently very famous poet in the United States. And I thought, yeah. wow, oh, this is a nice-looking man. He's like a magician. Yes, and he had a hat, and he, he wrote about nature, and he wrote long, long lines of unrhymed verse. So he is one of the masters of iambic pentameter and about the healing power of nature and about uh, enjoying your sensual. I sing the body electric is one of his poems. I sing the body electric. And it's about celebrating being a man alive in the world and having a body. And he wrote another one, when lilacs in the courtyard last bloomed. And he has another one about following the train of Abraham Lincoln when he was assassinated. So he was uh, alive during the time of Abraham Lincoln. But, you know, Walt Whitman is at one extreme and usually Whitman and Dickinson are taught together. So Whitman's poems are long, long lyrical poems that are very beautiful. And then um, Emily Dickinson is, a, is, you know, Amherst, Massachusetts. She is um, the short poem. I heard a fly buzz when I died, you know, because I could not stop for death, like short, short staccato poems. But yeah, I, I really like Whitman. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I like him too. Well, see, see how we can agree on some things. <laughs> At least we can agree on something that we both like, Walt Whitman. I like the name. I like how it sounds, Walt, Meet, Walt, Walt Whitman. Whitman. Yeah. That could be your alternate identity. You could, you could talk about how it would feel to be Walt Whitman and run naked through willow trees. No, I think I have enough identities, uh, borderline crazy anyway, and... Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. When in doubt, go out. Don't, don't go out. Well, I've just randomly opened up a journal, and this is from, uh, what is this journal from? This one is from August, summer of 2022. So it have been last year in August. It starts off, I feel like the Lone Ranger. I'm always alone. <laughs> it's just... Just a bunch of ridiculous dr drama because I have I have a I like and I need a lot of alone time, but I'm also a gregarious person. I like to go out. I like to visit. I like to wander around, and talk to people. But 
I'm, I'm writing, I feel like the Lone Ranger. Nothing is going right. What has happened? I don't know. How, how, how old was she? Was you when you wrote that? Last year. Last year, you felt yourself like a Lone Ranger? Well, on August, August the 10th, I did. Lone Ranger. No, I like Let it. Me... No, really. I mean, I, I... I mean the, you feel abandoned like an night. Island inhabitable by uh, yeah, but the by your comrades. Yes, and then the yeah, and then the next line is Alex saved the day. He brought over bacon, eggs, bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know. And then uh, yeah, and then there's like a little prayer I wrote. Lord, go before me, smooth the way, secure a place for me. Let me live another year. That's just on one page. Yeah, I'm thinking that of that Lone Ranger thing. He's, uh, we call that kind of person in Russian Lone Wolf. Well, maybe you call them two Lone Wolf. Maybe Lone Ranger is kind of equivalent. But uh, that's a person who stands alone. I'm not, I mean, alone, but not lonely, probably. Or yeah. maybe only, yeah. I don't no. know. Yeah, and, but, uh, that, yeah, that's very good. You're you're a very good therapist. You have identified one of my life themes because uh, I've always been traveling, 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 traveling and dealing with the problem of being on my own. Well, I feel like this is a breakthrough. I'm not joking, but they, there's a term in psych psychology. It's called a breakthrough or epiphany. It's like this moment of illumination, like, wow. No, literally, well, I felt if, like my, if, my... if if oh, if you're a long ranger, and then 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 that makes me what your sidekick or something. <laughs> Tonto, Tonto was an Indian. So the 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 TV series, the Lone Native Ranger. American. Well, no, this is a TV series from back in the day. It was a black and white series, and he rode a white horse, and he had a black mask, and he had a hat. That was the Lone Ranger. And then he had his his Indian companion who rode a pinto pony, and his name was Tonto. Tonto. And I just remember as a little girl watching some old reruns of the Lone Ranger. I also like Zorro, the dude in the black cape with his sword going around like climbing up walls and going into women's bedrooms and like attacking people with his his sword so these could be projections of my animus animus is what uh, jung would call the inner masculinity of a woman i'm, I'm actually want to climb up walls and ride horses and um, stab people well maybe you should not have any maker's marks today more <laughs> Yeah, no, you. That's very good. That's a very good. That's a very good. I actually noticed. I'm sitting here and I'm just talking, and when you said that maybe you're a lone wolf, I actually like you know when you're talking, sometimes you clench your teeth or you clench your stomach muscles. I just noticed my stomach muscles relaxing, which means that my body recognized the truth of that statement. So there's this therapist called uh, uh, Ron Pearls. 
P-E-R-L-S. I think he was out of California, maybe like in the 60s or the 70s. And he has a therapy called Gestalt therapy. And he said that the body, the body should also be involved in, in therapy. So, well, how is it on the street? Are, are you, are you feeling calm? <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit better because I can speak louder, not being afraid of all those uh, eyewitnesses and stuff. But then again, they're doing some kind of oil or something. They're drilling oil here in the middle of the city. I, I don't know what they're doing. It's, Freaking dusty and uh, it's like a war zone, and the and uh, the noise. I'm I'm not sure if you can hear it, but uh, um, the noise is bar noise bugs me. But anyway, I feel a little bit. I like it more than a conference room. Maybe sh maybe we should have all our calls, business calls outside the building, because that way we be yeah. able to express, to expose, to express, <laughs> to express your feelings. <laughs> More freely. <laughs> Expose yourself more freely. <laughs> Remember that whole management, whole management goes out of the building and expose themselves to the sun. <laughs> I just flipped the page of the journal and here is a picture. It's an old, old, old picture of my father wearing a, a like a bolero hat and a vest and he's with his second wife and they've just returned from living in Spain and we're drinking beer. It's a picture of me sitting on the couch with one of my sisters. And um, yeah, so here's a picture of my father. You know, he's also a, he's also a lone wolf. <laughs> do you want to do you want to use it as a thumbnail for this episode? And we're going to call it what therapy? Lone Ranger. Yeah. Lone Ranger? Therapy, I don't know. I mean, yeah, doesn't no, really matter how we call it. We can yeah, call no, it whatever way we want. No, no, yeah, we can call it uh, therapy because it's obviously a family that's sitting together. Uh, the, the, his wife is in a chair by herself, and my dad is on the couch, and then I'm next to him, and then one of my sisters is next to me. And my, my father has his hand on the beer glass. Was he smoking a cigarette? No, he's not smoking a cigarette. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting photo. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm now seeing another note that I wrote to myself. Try to be peaceful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what kind of a note to yourself is that? Try to be peaceful. You're either peaceful or you aren't, right? How can you try to be peaceful? That's ridiculous. Why are you laughing? Because I'm just laughing at how like, ridiculous this is. Here's some more notes. Wash the car. Go get vegetables. Resign the lease. Get anchovies for pizza. Oh, go to the YMCA. And then I checked off the things that I did. I washed my car. I got vegetables. I did not go to the YMCA. Because, you know, the YMCA is where you go to exercise. And I don't like to sweat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking about a poem. Not a poem, a novel. Whatever. The story we write. The uh, drops Drop and rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought you wrote to yourself, and I thought you write to yourself in the future. And then I thought you write for yourself. And if you write for yourself, that 
that means what? And I thought, well, that means you don't have to force yourself because sometimes you say, well, I've completed my chapter, it's your turn, and I have to force myself. But if I don't force myself, <laughs> I write for myself, right? I won't yeah. compromise myself because my my artistic vision or, I don't know, on this story, right? And I'm not afraid that it won't be popular because I'm just writing for the sake of writing. Yes. Yeah, I'm writing the story because I want to to write it and it's worthwhile yes. even if no one else wants to read it except you yeah see how yes, many words i know <laughs> maybe yeah, i should no, write them good. down no it's good like we were kind of taking turns back and forth but sometimes i just feel like writing so i just wrote a little bit more like i think in the story right now they it has switched from the scene of the we don't know if it's a prison or a mental hospital but they're now in a car and he's driving and uh they're driving across death valley and they're kind of headed towards i don't know maybe albuquerque somewhere in new mexico and there are these signs along the road and you know she's sitting there she has her scarf on a scarf that's trailing in the wind he's he's got some music on and he's like drumming on the 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 driving wheel you know the the wheel with, you know, with his thumbs. And then she takes a paper cup and throws it out the window. And he says, don't litter. And then she gives him kind of an evil stare. And then she looks out into the landscape and it's cactus. And then somehow, this is actually something that I saw driving out to, uh, I think I was driving to Las Vegas. Uh, I was driving to Las Vegas, yeah, when this happened. Uh, you look out the window and people set up these little, like little shrines or these little roadside things. And I just saw like some little cactus, like there's huge, huge cactuses out there, but there's also little cactuses that somebody had put a little white fence around, like a little wooden fence. And they just wrote uh, the family of hope or the field of hope. Now, there's a TV show called Field of Dreams. It's about baseball. I think it has Robert Redford or Paul Newman in it. But in our story, Drop and Roll, right now it's taking place in the car. And then she asks, where, where are we going? And then he answers, does it even matter? And, and so that's, I think that's where the story is now. So to me, it's kind of a metaphor for life and like the journey of life. And, you know, it's, it's your turn to write. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, uh, I mean, I think we've just really hit a low points today. Or maybe it's just me. Low points? I feel yeah. great. I'm going to fix well, some Well, maybe coffee. it's just me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. I just... I wish to, I cannot express enough how glad I am that you decided to share this. Yeah. Yeah, and also I'm writing one more thing. It says, I love hearing the piano being played. I love to take a nap and listen to someone playing the piano in another room. How does that make you feel? Well, the word piano uh, makes me anxious because when I play the piano, it always put that load on me. Uh, it didn't. I didn't get any joy in it. I feel like a monster now because um, <laughs> I've been really. I uh, 
I spent years trying to play the piano and uh, for not being able to find joy in it. Doesn't that, doesn't that make me a monster? You are a man, a lying man monster. <laughs> no, yeah. the thing is... Um, lying some... SOB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, um, I just know that when you are forced to do something, sometimes it's not very creative, but I know that one of my daughters, well, they both took a little bit of piano lessons and one didn't much care for it and the other one, you know, didn't want to play little baby songs. She wanted to play classical music. So she just taught herself piano and she has very long fingers and she became a surgeon. And I love to hear her playing the piano, but she, she doesn't play for anyone but herself. She never plays for anyone. Hardly, hardly anyone knows she even plays the piano. And it's just a creative outlet for her, that and running. She likes running and yoga and um, yeah, running and um, playing the piano. So maybe do you hate the piano or you would rather have a drum and like bonk on a drum? Well, I like drums because you can work out your anger on it. And piano yeah. is more delicate. It's like a woman. The piano is a woman. And you are the master and you have to play it right. Right, exactly. And the drum, drum is what man's like. Drum, drum is a man's toy. Yeah, I like it drums. Is. Yeah, drummers are like amazing. Uh, there's some really great drummers in Dallas and uh, some uh, Maya Valdez plays with Ryan Berg and what's shaken bacon. Jared is a uh, he's a very cool guy who uh, there's Jaredin who has the Fox, but you know, uh, I don't know, I think he's a subscriber. But what's shaken bacon is a drummer here in Dallas. He's absolutely fabulous, like he is so talented. Just I really, I, I really like, I really like drums. And I, I know when my girls were growing up, I asked them. You know, well, what instrument do you want to play? You know, you have to play an instrument. And uh, the future doctor daughter wanted drums. But I was going through a divorce and I didn't feel like drums in the house would be good for me. I said, well, why don't you get a little flute? <laughs> a small flute. Well, she ended up playing clarinet, then teaching herself piano. But I think drums, I think drums, drum therapy. You know, well, we the last the last two minutes of our conversation is very symbolic, uh, full of symbolism, um, because drums and pianos and uh, flute. And now I start associating women with piano, and uh, you know how bad I'm in piano, and uh, you know there are parallels. <laughs> I feel bad. Well, you know that's why you're in therapy, and. I have mentioned this before. I knew that I played a guitar when I was young, and I found that I always knew I played an acoustic guitar. And I used to collect uh, uh, electric guitars, and I love guitars, and I love fingers on guitars. I like fingers. Anyhow, I looked at this old picture that I found because I'm flipping through old pictures trying to give them away or like mail them off to people so I don't like, die with a thousand pictures around me. Anyhow, uh, I found this picture. I was living in Germany and it was Christmas time. And my parents, like, you know, we had a lot of cool little fun gifts, but we then we had the gift, which was the big gift. So, like, usually my brothers would get a bicycle and the little girls would get some doll stuff. I remember my sister and I, we were the oldest, we got guitars. 
and we're sitting in the living room where I used to sit with my father drinking, he would drink coffee. I'm playing a 12 string guitar. I got a 12 string. And then my sister had a six string. So that means I used to know how to play a 12 string. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, I think I'm gonna hang up now because I think they just might mean, they just, they just may need me upstairs if you know what I mean, because I'm, um, I'm a kind well, of a good. prisoner here. Yes. Prisoner, it's a corporate, prisoner of your corporate slavery. Corporate slavery, I think. The slavery is abandoned. Like it has yes. been abandoned since, since 200. Yes. For 200 yes. years by now. But mine, I think 10 years a slave. Yes. Well, thanks are you, for sharing. Are you feeling good? Because I feel great. I don't want I'm to. Gonna... Really good. Good. That's the most great. important I'm thing. Gonna... I'm gonna pour, get make, get my hot cup of coffee. I was drinking water, and I'm gonna have some bourbon in my coffee because it's uh, eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, don't let your animus, animus, any, what's the word? The animals, animals, masculine in animals. Yeah, don't let the animals take over. Oh, uh, you. It, it's, it's all over. It's no, it's, it's good. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, I was going to go out last night because I love this one musician, Texas Slim. And uh, my friend David Anton and his girlfriend, we were, we were going to go there, but we decided not to. We decided to stay home. But he has a, a great little song called Come Have Coffee With Me. So uh, adios to our subscribers and we're out of here.